Hi everybody, I'm Jason Davis of the Nerd Brand Podcast, the branding and marketing from a nerd's point of view, where we talk about, well, branding and marketing. So we do this on Anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone. It's Friday, and on this episode of the Nerd Brand Podcast, we're talking about branding blunders, my new sound effects, and we're talking about the state of podcasting in 2020. On this episode, up next on Nerd Brand. Here we come, Joe Rogan. That's right. We're coming for you. Well, he's on Shopify. And... Huh? Spotify. Oh, Spotify. Spotify. Sorry. <laughs> we were dealing with the Shopify problem for those listening. Spoken, spoken like a true web guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're all a fies. It's a fire. It's, it's some fight. Somewhere. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. That happens on Tuesday. <laughs> um. So anybody, everybody out there, welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast. The opener is uh, this episode. We're talking about branding blunders, some new sound effects that I got, and uh, let's, that's just for fun. And uh, the state of podcasting right now. Uh, so branding blunders. <laughs> Paid a lot of money for that sound effect. <laughs> Let me tell you. So, uh, anyways, uh, we got three three of these to go over uh just for the time so the first uh, a lot of bland there's there's just tons of things that happen in the world of branding and we're gonna let mitch kind of take the floor here in a little bit and explain a few of these things from his experience and stories maybe he had he has personally to share and uh so the, this show is all about mitch ah, and and uh <laughs> please no <laughs> nobody wants that i'm leaving <laughs> Where, where's my door shutting sound effect <laughs> Me, me, me. I'm on fire. Put me out. <laughs> we got three examples. The first example of a branding blunder is one that was sort of a social faux pas. The next one is just purely not checking the work before it went out. And then the third one was a, uh, well, oops, we made a change and lost a bunch of money. And we'll talk about what that is. And then we might get to the fourth one that all of the folks here have on their sheet in order. And we'll just see how it goes. So we'll start with the first one. Do you guys remember Pepsi and Kendall Jenner and handing a cop a Coke or a yeah, can was, of Pepsi? That was special. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty well on Twitter. No, no, nothing, nothing like a celebrity showing how close they are to the people by, uh, by injecting themselves into, into the social discourse. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they thought this would be a good idea, but when you have something that's politically charged or religiously charged, sexually charged, it's probably not something you want to – Go down the hall, knock on your marketing team's door, and say, "Hey guys, I have an idea." You just probably should not do it. <laughs> what was the logic? Does anybody know? I mean, obviously, they had to come up with some kind of. Their audience was, you know, trying to appeal to a younger audience. I don't know. Well, the only, the, I mean, the only thing I think of it, maybe it does dovetail a little bit with the age of the audience, but I mean, you know, Kendall Jenner being, you know, a social media, you know, darling. Um, has a huge following, 
I mean, would you call her an influencer? I mean, she's like an Uber influencer to some degree. Um, I guess they thought because of her vis visibility and popularity that in some fashion, it would make her relatable and somehow as an icon of peacemaking. Um, needless to say, it didn't quite, it wasn't received quite in the manner that Pepsi intended. Right. Just a little, just a smidge. I mean, you, you just have to wonder if this is a case of just, you know, do you really know who your audience is? I mean, do you really know what what's going on with the people that you want to buy your product? Um, well, well, what was the goal? I mean, I couldn't, you know, other than to put somebody out there that they thought would attract the name recognition to their <laughs> own brand. I mean, I, I don't understand why Pepsi thought they need Kendall Jenner for Pepsi. I mean, Pepsi's Pepsi. They just, I mean, for lack of a better description, virtue signaling. We are, huh. we are culturally and socially aware. We are woke. Um, you know, we, we get you. Um, and we care. Um, and that, that, you know, that you, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it in, in the intro, and that's just simply the fact that you have to be really, really careful as a brand if you're going to enter into the social discourse on a topic of, of, of sensitive uh, social nature. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes unless you're a very rare kind of brand, and I'm having a hard time thinking of one on the top of my head right now, you're just that very, very rare kind of brand that really can really have the, 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 the luxury of being able to touch people's heartstrings and consciousness in a way that's effective for the movement of, again, a social discourse. And, and frankly, a soft drink doesn't have that kind of clout. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, uh, I think an example of one that, that may, I don't, I don't know that anybody could touch this topic, any brand. But, uh, you know, REI does a good job, I think, of kind of getting involved in the political, social, you know, uh, movement to protect public lands and na national parks and uh, and branches into the climate change topic and all that. And it's it's relevant to their brand to a degree. Um, it still gets met with with a lot of hostility and, and such. So I don't know if it's worth it. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, even it's the brand, at least, if, even if even with your best efforts, you still run the risk of getting getting clobbered um, because of the immediacy of social media. I mean, people can react immediately to you and just getting clobbered with a stay in your lane message. I mean, a, a while back, there was a there was kind of a popular saying on social media, just and it was in relation to celebrities. And basically, people were saying, shut up and sing. And when, you know, when, 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 when every, when he, when every actor, musician, you know, came out with some kind of position, you know, precision statement on, on the, on the, you know, the hot button issue of the day. And it just became all the rage for them to start expressing their opinions um, in the public square. And it kind of comes back to the whole idea of people buy your product or, partake in what it is you have to offer them based on that thing that they like. They're not yeah. necessarily buying into the things that you care about beyond your, the, the talent that you're selling, if you will. Um, you know, and a lot of, a lot of celebrities and, and musicians and people in that, of that ilk, they, they get very hurt by that because I think there's an automatic assumption on their part that, you know, 
I'm not just relevant for what I do. I'm relevant for what I think. Well, they don't always care what you think. The public doesn't always care what you think. So you just, whether you're a brand or uh, an individual prop, you know, individual like an actor, I mean, you, you are a brand. Uh, you just got to be really, really careful how you're going to put yourself out there in something other than that area that you are competent in, or at least, per- yeah, some- or at least, per- <laughs> at least, per- at least perceived that way. I think it's, I just have this image in my head of like somebody, like when a celebrity has an opinion on something, somebody picks up a stick and just pokes them and says, just do the thing. Just do your thing. <laughs> That's pretty well, much it. And, well, and the, you know, the, and the other side of this, and we, we all know that advertising marketing is largely built on perception. And celebrities and brands develop a perception in the mind of the marketplace that they become used to and they become comfortable with. And when you start exhibiting characteristics that swerve outside of that, that kind of those brand parameters, you become a stranger to people. You become something different than what they're accustomed to. So it, again, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you be, I'm, you become something else, Mr. Wayne. Right, right. What's that? <laughs> a legend. There you go. There you go. There you go. Batman likes to stay on brand. <laughs> Well, it's, I don't know, man. And, and I'm not, words you know, I'm, just triggered me, I guess. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it was a nice segue. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Laura, you were saying? It's, it's very unsafe to hitch your wagon to public opinion anyway, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, because so. you're, you're, you're kind of throwing rocks just to see where you hit something in the dark. It's, and public opinion shifts so rapidly that if you're doing an ad campaign just because you want to, you know, you want to side with the majority and the loudest noise, that's going to bite you every time, I would think. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's and brands, brands of varying type wander into that pool um, based on a need to be empathetic. They want to show empathy. We care. You know, we have, we're not just something that you, you like to drink or wear or drive. We care. Uh, we're, you're seeing that now. I mean, I think a lot of people, I've seen people just, the other business owners kind of sick of this, where you get an email like, I hope you're healthy. I hope you're safe. Uh, we're here for you. Uh, we're in this together. And it's like, how is Coca-Cola in this together with me? You know, or how is this such and such business in the, and, and it started to, I think, rub a little bit where people are like okay okay we get what you're doing you're marketing to well, stop it you yeah email them back and say hey i need 50 bucks right well <laughs> exactly <laughs> well and that, and yeah that's a, that's a great point because if you're going to go that direction if you if, if you want to demonstrate you care then you have to demonstrate it in a meaningful way that that makes an impact yeah you, you have to actually do something platitudes aren't going to cut it and I think getting back to the Pepsi example, I think it came across to a lot of people as a platitude. Yeah. Right. As, as, yeah. as pandering. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think no matter what you do, if you go into these situations, you're always going to have a, a section of the population that feels that way, no matter which position you take. Well, and there's just due to the, there's, the nature of split opinions. There's always going to be that person that you make angry to. And it just depends on how loud that angry person's voice gets. Yeah. Well, and I think playing the other side, I mean, we're we're kind of implying that brands shouldn't do it because there's risk involved. But I mean, Nike, 
Nike has done exceptional since they took their stand. And it's Nike. You can't, you know, if you're a small brand or a medium-sized brand, you know, you can't compare yourself to Nike's historical, you know, that is their brand, taking those social stances and, and putting people in in the limelight who other brands would, or, you know, the population would probably raise controversy over. But, I mean, they they have done exceptionally well since they put a stake in the ground around, you know, the, the Kaepernick issues and all of that stuff. Yeah, um, the, the, so sometimes it goes well. And, and kind of, you know, there, there's another side of this too. I think if you're a brand that's large enough, strong enough, I mean, if you're just a behemoth brand making just, dis- sorry, I just dropped something. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's a nice audio mark where I'll probably edit you out. You're supposed to wait. To drop <laughs> how do you dr- don't drop the mic? Have you seen how expensive these things? How are? do you drop a condenser mic? How do you drop a mic that's built in? Anyway, um, <laughs> no. Anyway, I mean, if you're a behemoth brand then you can you can sometimes be in a situation where the 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 positives and the negatives are so balanced because of the size of your audience no matter what you do it's just not gonna it's not gonna hurt you because you have so much you have so many brand advocates that are going to care they're going they're going to buy into that message that the ones that don't simply it's 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 going to be a wash I, and i wonder if in in some way with nike and the, and the Kaepernick issue, if because there were some pretty loud voices on the other side too. But I just think it's just a case of they're so big and people are already so bought into their brand proposition, they don't care. Well, I think you bring it up. It's their, that is their brand proposition, is to go against the odds, to just do it. That is their entire essence. If you really dig into Nike and, and you look at their history of advertising as well, I mean, this isn't the first time that they've put a controversial person at the forefront of the right. marketing. Uh, so that's, you know, it works. Yeah, it's ex- it's ex- and that's, that's well, and kind of, I, I guess kind of to sort of buttress my point, it, it's already, it's already built in. Right. It's already, it's not like they did anything that anyone really didn't expect maybe, or didn't come as a shock. It, right. They didn't change the value <clears> of the company. It, it does. I mean, it, it does get dangerous when in this, again, you've got to be true to who your brand is. Nike was acting true to their brand. It's when a brand starts to step outside of a sphere, of a sphere and get opportunities. Well, yeah, and it and, and it, it, it becomes a, if not counterintuitive to the brand, it's just they ca- they end up casting the brand in light that individuals aren't used to seeing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Disney right now as they are absorbing other entities, mm-hmm. and I think their perception is starting to change. Well, it's you know I mean they've I mean. You know, sometimes when a brand that big, and let's face it, Disney is probably one of the, if not the largest, one of the largest in the world, they come, it almost becomes a little bit intimidating. It actually becomes a lot intimidating. It's like, hold on a minute. How big are these people? Yeah, well, a company yeah. like that's a media company. It's not really, people look at <clears throat> Disney as a, uh, you know, a movie studio or a creative studio or whatever, you, but it's a media <clears throat> company that, that is involved in a lot of, a lot of different facets from television to, you know, internet to streaming to movies. I mean, it's it's shaping our culture in ways that we're sometimes not aware of. And as a brand, and as a brand, they have that kind of leverage. Well, to and do again, that. it goes back to size. I mean, there there's there's advantages to scale. If you're if you're really really big, I think maybe you can take some risks that 
brands that don't have that as quite a thick of a protective skin maybe can't. They you can mm-hmm. absorb a blow, kind of like a kind of like when George Foreman got back into boxing. <laughs> I mean, he was a little thicker, if I can say, than he was when he when he was younger. But basically, he could take a hit. Same mm-hmm. thing with big brands. You can take when you're that big and you've got that many moving parts within your brand, you can take a hit. Well, I mean, to be conscious about social issues and kind of tie into all that is. Uh, you know, there's there's people out there that need help, like you say, and people say, oh, we're here for you. So I want to share like uh, something I don't know if you guys have heard of before, but it's called the Hero Initiative. And so uh, you can go to the HeroInitiative.org. It's cr- comic creators that are in need. I mean, these people are not employed or employable, um, but it creates a financial safety net for them um, who, if they need medical aid or financial support. Uh, and have an avenue back into paying work. It gives them that um, stay steady with employment and make so they're living often from dollar to dollar. Um, and this initiative was created to help them, uh, especially now because the comic book industry is starting to get back on its feet. Um, distribution has begun again, uh, but it's uh, going to be slow going because as they start shipping comic books, the stores don't have the volume of customers like they did to move them off their shelves. So it's, it's a very tricky logistical matter from the creators to the distributors to the people that sell in stores. But anyways, if you're interested in giving to it, go to the hero initiative.org and uh, you know, we'll put a link in the podcast here at uh, nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast so that you can go and uh, you know, give those guys some help and love. They, they need it without them. We wouldn't have the nerd culture we have today. I know, so, I know in the past when they, when it, uh, I guess what was back in the nineties when, when the hero initiative first popped up, <clears throat> it was helping a lot of like maybe some retired, you know, golden silver age, uh, comic book talent that probably had run into hard times because it's like you said, a lot of these folks weren't making bank to start with when they were popular in the industry. Uh, but since they kind of gotten into retirement trying to support themselves, a lot of them were uh, health issues and things like that. And then it'll be the initiative helped out a lot of folks like that. And it still does because you still hear situations where a popular creator comes down with some horrible dread disease or something and they need that extra layer yeah. of support uh, to help them out. So the Hero Initiative, it's a great organization. Yeah, so that'll be something that, you know, we'll probably talk about more um, through our own brand to kind of associate ourselves with a nonprofit uh, that, that I think is on brand for us and, and, and kind of fits. And, you know, um, I think it's worth giving to um, – but on to the next one. So this one is more of a proofing error. Uh, so Guinness. Guinness kind of did a blunder when it was uh, its Canadian St. Paddy's Day promotional billboard advertising. It contained a shamrock with uh, one too many leaves. So uh, nobody checked the work. Oops. <laughs> yeah, because be, the, the tra- <clears throat> their branding is a three-leaf clover, not a four-leaf. <laughs> As an account person, I'm always like, I don't feel like proofing this, but I should. (laughs) And I always do because I know that even one little thing, it all just kind of comes tumbling down. In this case, I don't see how it gets through. I mean, I had to go through 10 people to be approved. I I guarantee you that uh, scheduling is part of what got this job in the in, into the trouble it got into i i would ver- i having no inside knowledge of this project i virtually guarantee you that the timeline and the deadline of this project has had a big uh, was a big contributor to why maybe that happened because you know you look at something it gets changes made you go back you look at it again after a while you just stop after you've seen a project so many times after it's come under your nose so many times 
you just stop seeing things. Tropicana. When you guys think of Tropicana, what comes to your mind? What imagery of that company, of its product, particularly okay, orange Okay, we're talking juice. about the orange juice. We're not talking Come- about the uh, the hotel casino in Las Vegas, which probably doesn't even exist anymore. No. No, I don't think it does. I think that's. Uh, I think you dated yourself there again. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. Tropicana made a change to their branding that was very costly. Um, it was about a hundred million dollars costly, and the sales continued to drop twenty percent after that, all because they changed their logo. So it used to be an orange with the straw in it. It was. It was more than that. Yeah, they cha- they changed the. Then they make well, an article. They cha- they, they completely the changed their their packaging identity. Which included the changing the logo, but it's like one day their 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 orange juice carton looked like this, and the next day it looked completely different. How do you not do a rebrand a brand relaunch? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the point. I'm glad you said the key phrase there is their package identity because how many times has anybody gone to the store and they're used to seeing something packaged a certain way? And they changed it, and you can't see it on the shelf amongst the other thousands of items that are there. Um, I had this happen to me, and this is going to y'all are going to laugh at me, and I don't care. I am aware that it's going <laughs> to generate that. But I went, but thank you. But I went to the store, and I like orange sherbet ice cream, and I got the Kroger kind, and Kroger repackaged it, and I thought it was all out. I didn't even see it because they changed the package. And they changed it just slightly enough to where it just kind of blended in with the rest, rest of their flavors. It didn't stand out anymore. So I didn't even know it was there. It took me a minute to find it. So, you know, your packaging is a very important piece of your branding. I mean, how you are presenting yourself can help you stand out amongst the rest of the items that are on that shelf to be well, preferred know, what, to buy. Besides what we're really talking about here is brand equity. You know, what, once your brand has a certain identity and people, the, the, the larger consciousness has absorbed that. And basically, they, to your point, when you're walking down that grocery aisle or that store aisle and you almost don't even, you don't read the label. Your brain automatically sees the shape and colors of that package and they just know to pick it up. Well, and especially a product like, for example, NyQuil. You know, if you're bleary eyed enough and you're looking for NyQuil, and they've messed with the packaging, you're very likely likely to grab something else just because you're in a state that you're not interested in looking for it. And it's small and there's a thousand other little small letters and colors and stuff around, you know, in the medicine aisle. Right. Very hard to to pick something like that out. Uh, I mean, Tropicana is one that, again, I don't see how it got through so many people and they were like, this is a good idea. Well, and- <laughs> they completely changed the logo. They changed the the orientation. They put it yeah, up the, the pa- side. The package, the, it, you know, right? The, the package design was completely like, different. It just they completely rid the, the package of the brand name in a sense because it was on the right side. So you're reading left to right. You don't see it until you see 100% orange, pure and natural. Well, everyone knows they're buying orange juice. I don't see why you would put that. <laughs> looking for orange juice well, i mean this, this was just a, i mean when, when you do a rebrand that happens so quickly and without enough lead time and without a strong enough announcement to your audience mm-hmm. that hey we're gonna look different maybe they did but, but no apparently nobody got that memo well, that's what i'm always curious about is the kind of the inner workings obviously there's an agency involved in a, a brand team i'm sure and just what the timeline was, what the culture was, the the expectations. I mean, all of that, that's how you end up here. The, the interesting thing to me is that there was such a visual departure in the packaging designs. Um, 
the new package design that, that Tropicana went with, to me, it reminded me of the style that, let's say, a store brand, like let's say Target, because Target has their own store brand of, right. of items. It sort of leaned in that direction. Those type of packaging designs and those types of identities work for Target or Walmart or Kroger because people come to know to look for that. But from a purely objective standpoint, it wasn't that the design was necessarily bad or not as good as the previous. That, that wasn't the problem. The problem was just the fact that one day you're looking for your Tropicana orange juice because, and you're looking for it because it looks like this, and you go to the aisle the next day and you don't see anything that looks like that anymore. That's because right. it all it all comes down to user experience. You know, what exactly. are people experiencing with your product? And UX design is not just in the world of web. It's it's in the world of just everything. I mean, there's a reason the iPhone 5 was made the way it was because Steve Jobs wanted you to be able to hold it in one hand and your thumb reach every part of the screen. When the iPhone 6 came out and forever since, um, you cannot reach every part of the screen holding the phone in your hand. So now there's a feature now that if you tap the screen in a certain way, it reduces the apps down to a size to where your thumb can reach all the places on the screen that you need to get to. That little bit of thought into UX is, you know, allowed them to expand the product and revise it but yet still keep the same thought process and function of what they know that sometimes people don't use two hands when they're messing with their phone. They may be licking an ice cream cone and then right. texting a friend. Or do you, well, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> what, so, what, but anyways. What, and again, I, 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 really, I really think that in this case, I mean, I mean UX does play into it, but it's, a, it's brand equity. If you're a, bra if you're a brand that yeah, has brand. an identity that has stood the test of time, that people have become familiar with over a series of years, tread very carefully on a decision to alter that. Well, yeah. and it's yeah. it's wise, isn't it, to kind of treat it like putting kids to bed? You got to warn them like three or four times oh, yeah. before I mean, you actually you, do if it. If you're going to do it, then you start. You 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 got to <laughs> like putting your kids to bed. You put your kids to bed at nine o'clock. You start putting them to bed at seven thirty. Well, I think that is going to pretty much sum up our uh, segment here called. Uh, Branding Wonders! <laughs> and, uh, we'll, thank you all! Thank you! Thank you! So glad you enjoyed that. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be hearing that in my sleep. <laughs> uh, I just need toys to play with. That's, that's, that's all. So, there are over one million podcasts out there. How do I know? Because I count it. No, I didn't. I couldn't do that. I can probably count past 10, but not that many. Um, but the Stats of State of Podcasting, Nielsen did, at Nielsen did some uh, insights on that. And uh, obviously, since COVID, podcasting has really skyrocketed because everybody's at home and their first thought is, oh, you know, maybe do a podcast. So um, some of the numbers and, and metrics we have for this, uh, we'll share on the, on the blog post on our website, along with the podcast audio here, so you can see this. But uh, it has definitely grown. Um, it's doubled since uh, it could possibly double by 2023, the amount of uh, podcasts and the audience, rather. Um, so a lot of listeners that are listening are right now, of course, they're at home. But uh, quite a few in the car or cab, just basically while they're in transit. Um, others, uh, many, many more others at work. And then the rest is made up of just going to the gym, um, going for a walk or hiking or whatever, and they have a podcast going 
while they're doing their thing. Not a, not something that's going to quit. This one's just a general. I mean, I'll be honest with y'all. I love um, Hollywood Babylon. I don't recommend you listen to it with speakers um, because it is a bit filthy. But, um, you know, Kevin Smith, I'd also like, well, I just like Kevin Smith in general. Um, he's been doing podcasting since it was a thing. And it's really the majority of his content because his movies are not great let's i mean if you're a fan out there and you're listening and you're like kevin smith movies are awesome i would like for you to send us proof of that please you can go to nerd brand pod you can go to the nerd brand podcast page on our website find the form please direct all hate mail to jason yeah and we'll deal with it on the next episode um but uh you know honestly he's he's you know fat man on batman which is now called fat man beyond he was worried about, you know, using the word Batman in the podcast title, um, you know, and he's got uh, Hollywood Babylon, which has been going off quite a while with Ralph Garman. So those are the ones that I listen to. Um, I can't really think of any others, honestly, that, that I've listened to. I know the murder mysteries are pretty hot. You guys got any of you like? Uh-huh. I, I, I don't listen to them that regularly. I got into it for just a little bit trying to, you know, study the landscape and I, I I listen to quite a few e-commerce, Shopify-type focused uh, podcasts as I was getting more into e-commerce. and I mean, they're great for, for quick learning if you're in that mode. I don't listen to, to I guess, kind of fiction, fiction-based things, but uh, I like the educational side, the kind of talk radio I think aspect I think that term you just used, Jonathan, I think hits on something. And that you, you guys have heard me preach on this ad infinitum. And that's the fact that, you know, there's, you know, for a while now, since the digital revolution, it's been, ever, there's been a lot of argument that, you know, broadcast television is dead, uh, broadcast radio is dead, um, that those things are all going by the wayside. But if you really sit down and think about it, and this is where podcasting, I guess, you can include into that. It's not that those mediums, the visual and audio mediums have died. They've evolved, and now they're the same thing, only bigger. Whereas instead of going down your radio dial and having, you know, six, eight different stations that you can listen to with a variety of either music or talk or religion or uh, public interest, now there's thousands. There's thousands of them. It's the same thing with, with cable television. Cable television is becoming more and more like, well, not cable. Cable is evolved now into over the top and other digital formats that a great many of them still contain advertising to some degree or another. So these mediums have just, they haven't died. They've evolved and actually become larger. They just accommodate more channels. And I think that's the marvel of things like podcasting is whatever your interest, whatever your field of, of, of study, whatever your, your, you know, your vocation, there is a podcast out there. Now it can, it, you can drill down as deep as, you know, like, Oh, w- within the, you know, fantasy nerds, you've got, the, the Lord of the Rings audience or the Game of Thrones audience. Now there are broadcasts or podcasts that can go directly to those audiences. And the fact that those audiences are loud, large enough to support a podcast. And the nice thing about podcasts is that the overhead on them is so much smaller than back in the day when you'd have to have an entire radio station. Well, that overhead is slowly starting to grow. Um, you know, the cost of microphones and the kind of mics uh, most popular is Rode um, with, in podcasting. That's about 19% with Blue in second place at 17. 
And about 48% of podcasters use Audacity to edit their podcast, and others use Adobe Audition. I use iMovie because I'm not wanting to pay for either of those. Um, I have a blue mic. Um, I don't know what model it is, but if you can imagine in your head uh, the thing from the first, well, I can't say the first Star Wars movie. Let's say episode four when Luke was, you know, training in the Millennium Falcon. That's what it looks like. It looks like a little round globe. Uh, it's white, um, but uh, it's been a good mic. Um, there are other versions of this thing that have different settings for uh, the direction of it, but that's what I, I prefer to use. Those are the tools of my trade, along with just editing and GarageBand. You know, remote podcasting has been a challenge. The, the, some of the methods of doing remote podcasting, the companies that are coming up with month-to-month payment plans and subscriptions now, it's, you know, you've got to pay for that, and you can only get so many hours recorded and they only keep a podcast for so many episodes. So it's not an inexpensive. It's getting to be not so much as an inexpensive option anymore because as an industry, it's just exploding. I mean, there's 103 million <clears throat> listeners every week now for podcasts, and that's that's just immense. Um, so, you know, they find podcasts on social media or their online community. They can ask someone who likes the same thing. Um you know, searching podcasts and app directories happen, searching on Google, browsing through podcast charts. All of these are ways that people find podcasts to listen to. But now it's a it's an industry that's growing just at an explosive rate. Uh, so, you know, doing a podcast takes time. It takes planning um, the topic uh, how we how we do a podcast. You know, we're 10 episodes in, so it's still evolving uh, for us on how this is going to go as we edit better and get better <laughs> great sound effects. Um, <laughs> you know, that that kind of helps your listenership. I mean, it's you have an audience or you have a micro audience. I mean, NerdBrand's audience is not all of our customers. It's just this micro audience. And we see, you know, we see who you guys are. We appreciate you. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's always the dream to have a Joe Rogan or Kevin Smith podcast one day, you know, the beauty of podcasts, even though there is some built in costs involved, it's so much more accessible for, for someone that really wants to get into it now than it was back in the day when, you know, if you wanted to get into radio, you had to actually get a job at a radio station and, you know, what are you know, what were the odds? Um, now if, if you're knowledgeable enough and have enough, uh, energy and drive to do it, you can do it. I, I, as a marketing tool, I think it's great. It's a great way for brands to talk about the benefits and, and value of their brand to their audience in, in a longer form medium than say an ad. Um, well, it is kind of an ad, isn't it? Because is isn't ad. everything an ad? Eh? <laughs> Any, anything that you put out for consumption about your brand, whether it's internal, external, um, everything from a memo to your employees to an ad to your to your buying audience. If it talks about your brand, if the subject matter in any way affects your brand, it is an ad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, podcasts, they're not going away. Uh, so if you, anybody out there listening, if you got questions about how do you start a podcast? What do you need to do? Uh, like I said, feel free to go to nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast. Hit the form. Let us know your question. We'll read it on the next episode. We'll uh, drop some tips and some equipment and things you need to kind of look out for or give a try. Uh, most important thing is just pick a topic. Uh, pick a topic. What do you want to talk about? It's kind of like writing a book. You know, write what you know. Uh, so talk about what you know. 
um, podcast is uh, it can grow your business. Um, you just have to get started now. That's the thing. Uh, it's gonna the sooner you start, the faster you're gonna see results. Uh, but you got to start. So because I know there's businesses out there that have thought about it, and you know, a podcast is not strictly audio anymore. Uh, as I said, you can go to uh, Kevin Smith and you can find him online. But with audio, uh, like right now, we use Anchor.com. You heard an Anchor ad before you listened to this podcast. That was me. Um, and explaining to you that that's what we use. And so we basically go through our phones. Some of us wire up through our computers, through iMessage, and run a microphone like what Mitch does. Um, some of us just use our cell phone. When I send a text message, they join it. Boom, we're podcasting. And that's how we do it for right now. Um, I'm excited that when uh, we get to all be outside again and in place, we can all be in a room and do this and, you know, have the mic set up. And then at that point, when you get that many mics set up, you need a mixer. You need something that can kind of help keep everything in sync as everybody's talking. Because when you get into the post process of editing, that's when your podcast can really shine and stand out above the rest, which is something that, you know, we're still feeling our way about. But, you know, when you listen to this podcast, you'll hear an opener. You always hear music or a sound effect to open and close the podcast to let the listener know that you know it's beginning or it's concluded so um you know there's a lot of things to go that goes into podcasting a lot of thought processes and making one but essentially the first thing you got to just make sure it's interesting to the people that you want to listen to it right or in our case it's really just about us because you know that's as mitch has pointed out just listen to it because it's (laughs) awesome because we think we think so (laughs) well i think that real quick that that highlights uh, a real big value of of all content you know, of this nature, but in particular podcasting, uh, if you look at the, I think I've mentioned it before, if you look at some of the biggest companies today, many of them are big because of the personal identity behind the company, uh, you know, and so to be able to put your CEO on a podcast on a weekly basis, even if it's 20, 30 minutes, um, and build that personality with your, you know, your potential customer or, or just any, whatever your audience is, I think that can go a long way for a, for a business and a brand to are we talking about Elon Musk personal here? identity I mean <laughs> Tesla Tesla would uh, <laughs> we can he's the prime example I think today but even Bezos and you know uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now but I know they're out there uh, I'm not shaving my Musk head or is. talking about aliens I'm not going to do that <laughs> you just did <laughs> you sure <laughs> And now everybody now knows the next episode. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. You're right. Go ahead. You're fine. I'm done. <laughs> no, just, I mean, just, you know, to good. piggyback on what Jonathan's saying, I mean, I think the point was made. <laughs> podcasts are just another great tool that are just more readily accessible now to get your brand message out and to give you a longer form, a longer term format to talk about your brand to to and help build brand loyalists and feed your brand loyalists and give them even more reason to become ambassadors for your brand. Give them, give them more information to let them know more about what's going on with your brand. What it is that makes you unique, makes you special. It's just, it's, it's a great platform. It makes up the most of what we have. I mean, it's, it's easier to say and discuss what you know than it is to write it out. Writing is still very hard, but it's at the end of the day, it's, it's easier to kind of have this kind of format to kind of just speak it because it's, you know, most people, don't get the opportunity to have a platform to speak at or from Uh, podcasting gives you that platform for people to hear what you know 
um, and it gives them the ability to pause it and come back later, you know, whereas a live event, not so much. Well, that's going to conclude this episode, so we appreciate you listening, and remember, everybody, keep your nerd brand strong.